This is an ABC podcast. Across Australia, you're tuned to ABC Sport. This is Summer Grandstand with Matt Clinch on ABC Radio, Sport Digital and the ABC Listen app. Will it be David Warner's fairy tale farewell? Nathan Lyon, of course, is getting closer to 500 test wickets. Great to see him back in the green and gold after missing the, the latter part of the Ashes. And who might take the spot of David Warner when, of course, the series does move to the West Indies? And, uh, of course, he will continue to play white ball cricket. Unfortunately, in the BBL last night, there was no match between the Adelaide Strikers and the Brisbane Heat. The coach of the Adelaide Strikers, a friend, of course, of us here at ABC Sport, is Jason Gillespie. He can join you on this Sunday. Dizzy, welcome. Um, Some concerns during the news around the power in South Australia. Have you got power at your place? How are you? Oh, I'm really well, Clinchy. Yep, got power. No dramas whatsoever. Uh, Yeah, probably just still a little bit disappointed. Um, that we couldn't get on last night. The weather here in South Australia, um, you know, has been has been pretty ordinary, and uh, just hope everyone is you know is, is okay and safe. That's probably the most important thing. But um, at the end of the day, we're, we're playing a, a, a sport. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are finding it tough. Whether they're losing power, there's been flash flooding, there's all sorts of things going on. So um, just hope everyone is is safe out there. But um, but yeah, a little bit disappointing that we couldn't put a show on for our fans. Absolutely. And watching on the, the TV coverage last night, the fans were still there in attendance. All the planning and preparation which goes into the start of the season, were you hopeful you'd get a ball or was it pretty obvious that it was unlikely? Oh, you, you're always hopeful. Um, it, obviously, the ground staff um, at Adelaide Oval are amazing and and the drainage is brilliant. The covers, uh, the surface had been covered, the run-ups, the surrounds. So, the, the ground staff were really clear that if, uh, as soon as it stops raining, we only need one hour and we can have the ground ready to rock, ready to go. Um, they actually bought themselves some time uh, at one point where they got rid of a lot of the surface water off the main covers. Uh, they took them off and then put them back on. And that probably bought them another 20 minutes so that in the event that it stopped raining, we're, it was only probably going to be 30 to 40 minutes that they'd need to get ready for um, to to play um but unfortunately it just kept drizzling the whole night and uh it got to a point where the umpires met with the curator met with the ground staff and and the decision was made that look we're just we're just not going to be able to get on tonight and it it was the right call in the end because um long after that decision was made it was still raining and uh, unfortunately we couldn't get on a real shame for our fans Uh, we have the best fans in the league without question and um you know they, they were there uh, cheering everyone uh, every, every time any player or coach walked out onto the ground, there was there was cheers, you know, in the hope that something was happening, but it was not to be. Yeah, Adelaide is more known for its uh, sort of thirty to forty degree temperatures at this time of year, not the the crazy wet weather. Uh, Darcy Short was set to make his debut for the Adelaide Strikers. You announced a new captain with Matt Short taking over the the reins in in this season with Travis Headaway, obviously with a lot of international cricket. Um, how comfortable were you with the, that your team with some late changes? Unfortunately, Rashid Khan being out was was ready to go last night. Yeah, we were really comfortable, Clinchy. You know, we were certainly comfortable with you know the additions we've made. We identified that um, you know in the top order, we, we'd probably you know the the other opening spot was, was something that, that that we could look at. Um, so Darcy Shorter obviously come, came in and, and filled that breach. But we also identified. Probably late late order batting was something that we were we struggled with last year. Uh, we, we were excellent 
and probably competition leading in the middle middle overs. Um, but probably the surge and the the back end and death batting was it was a was something that we really needed to improve. So the the inclusions of James Basley um, and Jamie Overton in the in the draft, um, as well as you know re-signing of Adam Hose, um, you know we, we thought they were they were they were key inclusions. Um, you know, and with Rashid Khan uh, not being able to fulfil his commitments due to back surgery. Um, we, we looked at our list and we thought, well, we do have a, a, a number of spin options. So that, that covers that. Obviously, with Boyce Menenti and, and the two shorts can, can bowl spin. So then we looked at what, what could, who's available, firstly, and you know, who's available for the majority of the tournament. Because that, that's, a, that's a big challenge, Clinchy, is uh, finding players that are available. To, with, with all the other competition, not only international cricket that's being played, but all these other uh, T20 competitions on the yeah. South African one, ILT20 and the like, um, player availability is really challenging. Um, so for us to be able to secure a left-arm swing bowler who is going to be available for the whole group stage and finals, um, that's where we landed with David Payne, who, who played six games and took 10 wickets for the Scorchers last summer, um, did a really good job for them. Uh, so we think he, he'll add a lot of value and gives gives us a bit of variety um, with with the Adelaide Strikers. The voice of uh, Adelaide Strikers coach Jason Gillespie, Australian cricket legend with you on Summer Grandstand. Uh, the decision to put Matt Short in as captain, he's had a pretty good 12 months and he, he must be on the horizon over the, the national selectors. What have you liked about his approach and, and setting, settling in with the Adelaide Strikers? Yeah, he's been great. He obviously last year he captained in one game, and it was the the game where he got a hundred and we chased down two thirty. Uh, I think last night one of the boys mentioned, uh, "Shorty, you're still unbeaten as captain." Um, <laughs> so he was uh, he's pretty chuffed about that. But but look, he, he's a mature head. He's been around Adelaide for a number of years now. Um, he's been a constant in the side. Uh, he's got a really good cricket brain. Um, so it was. It was really. It was. It was quite a simple decision, really, Clinchy. With, with Travis ha- having some really good uh, open conversations with Travis, it, it's pretty clear that you know it, the trajectory of his career. He's, he's not going to feature too much in in Big Bash. He, he's got you know Test cricket and uh, One Day cricket to to take care of and uh, playing for our country. So that's a priority, um, you know, for him. Um, and and we just felt a bit of continuity with the with the leadership would would probably be um, be best. So that's where we landed with with Matt Short. Travis is absolutely 100% on board. He um, he's he's very happy with that arrangement. And if he comes back and, and is able to play one or two games, that that's an absolute bonus for us. Along with obviously Alex Carey, who's also on our list. You know, any time we can welcome our international players back, we we certainly will. Um, but we just felt for continuity. Um, Matt Short was the was the logical choice. So Dizzy, with two games having been played, the Sixers obviously had a good win over the Melbourne Renegades. Steve Smith featured in that game, and uh, the Melbourne Renegades with Jake Fraser McGirt with a look to the future, and then the Brisbane Heat uh, back on Thursday night uh, defeating the Melbourne Stars, which Colin uh, Munro went nuts with ninety nine unbeaten. Um, Glenn Maxwell featured, but it's a tricky little period with the some of the Test guys available for the first couple of games, but they're not available until potentially after Christmas in the the juggle between the, the series against the West Indies and the draft, as you mentioned, taking place. Um, Aaron Finch was on Summer Grandstand yesterday and was asked what he believed that the uh, the BBL could do to try and improve.
improve the competition. And one of his points was to make sure that they're speeding up the game as much as they possibly can. We know it's a, a reduced season this year. How do you view um, the season of the the, w, of the the BBL in terms of the changes they've made and the improvements they're hoping to see? Yeah, look, I, I, I completely endorse Aaron Finch's comments about speeding up the game. Um, you know, Cricket Australia have, have made a real point of communicating with clubs that, the speed of the game is, is absolute key for all stakeholders. Um, so that, that that's something that, that we're really aware of. We want to keep the game moving and because we, we are in the entertainment business, Clinchy, and we want to make sure that, you know, we are entertaining the fans. Um, I suppose the one tricky one is, you know, the, the, all the talk about speeding up the game. And then what we see is with the DRS call, the, the DRS takes so long. Uh, for a decision to be made, um, I suppose that's a bit of a frustration, um, especially when players get told to get out to the middle as quick as you can, get between overs, and there's a lot of punishments and penalties for uh, not getting overs completed on time. And then we see the so much time taken for DRS calls. So, so that's something that, that can be improved, I suppose, and that, that's on, on Cricket Australia and the broadcasters to, to make sure that they're getting that right. But um, but it is a tricky one, and, um, you know, I, I, I agree. Uh, quicker, uh, you know, we've, we've got a reduced format now, 10, 10 games. I, I've always been of the belief more cricket is better. Um, I, I've, I've always questioned why we can't play back-to-back games um, on in – Days. I don't understand why we can't play two days in a row uh, in T20 cricket. We play four-day cricket, we play five-day cricket, we play 50-over cricket. Um, two 20-over games back-to-back, I, I personally don't think is a stretch. And they talked about how we can fit, you know, condense the season and, and the tournament. Um, so, you know, I, I don't understand how our players are particularly going to get better by playing less. Um and I've always personally liked the format of uh, home and away. You know, play each team home, play each team away, 14 games. Um, I've always thought that was a that was a good format, but I can understand the reasoning behind reducing it to 10 games, um, condensing it. Um, you know, I, I understand that from an administrator's and uh, and TV point of view. Given the, the coaching requirements for you takes up plenty of time. Uh, we watch this afternoon. Are you curious to see how Quentin DeCock goes lining up for the, the Melbourne Renegades up against the Perth Scorchers, who have been obviously the, the dominant side over recent years? Yeah, so it, it, it's interesting, Clint. Yes, in this, this time of the year, um, some of your best preparation is just by simply watching other games and, and seeing how, how teams go. And, you know, as, you know, first and foremost, I'm a cricket fan. So I, I love the game. I love BBL and, I love watching games. You know, I know I love watching the Adelaide Strikers clearly, but um, certainly watching uh, other games that are on, uh, you, you're doing your preparation, your research, and seeing how other other teams, other players are faring. Um, so it, it's just a wonderful time of year. There's so much cricket, and then once the Test matches start, you know you, you're in cricket heaven, aren't you? With, uh, <laughs> you've got the, during the day, and then you got BBL at night. Uh, it's just such a great time of the year. Yeah, takes over your life, doesn't it? Uh, cricket on the radio, <laughs> potentially during the day and following the BBL at night. Um, I want to ask you about the Australian side. What do you feel like will be the, the storyline of this year's Australian Test Summer with the, the three tests against Pakistan and the two against the West Indies? Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot of conjecture, a lot of talk 
uh, over who is going to replace David Warner. I think I think David will play the three test matches uh, against Pakistan, no question. He'll finish in Sydney. Uh, he's been a wonderful player for Australia for for many years. Uh, I know there's been a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in the press in recent times. Um, I know Mitchell Johnson has come out and has has critiqued the the decision making and. And, you know, he, he did uh, ask some valid questions, uh, it must be said. Um, you know, David's output has diminished, uh, you know, in recent times. Um, but, you know, the, the selectors have, have clearly decided that, that they, they firmly believe he is the best man for the job. And that's cool. And that, that's their job. And, and you know, as a, as a selector myself and as a coach, I, I love it. I love the backing of players, um, uh, backing them in to do a job. Players who've played a long time, and, and David's obviously played over 100 test matches, they, they, they're generally allowed a little bit more time to, you know, rediscover form and, and the like. Um, so I, I think the big uh, big talking point, Clinchy, is going to be who will replace uh, David Warner at the top of the order for the two test matches against the West Indies. And look, Matt Renshaw's just got a big 100 in the, in the Prime Minister's 11 game. Um, Cameron Bancroft's been scoring a lot of runs in um, in Shield cricket the last couple of years. Marcus Harris is a fine player who's 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 played a lot of lot of cricket and has scored a lot of runs. Maybe not as many runs as he'd like this year. Um, so they're the guys that have been talked about. But if you if you really listen to what's coming out of that Australian camp, Mitchell Marsh is a genuine option to open against the West Indies. You've heard Andrew McDonald, the coach talk about adaptability, flexibility, talking about how other players uh, in, you know, 10 years ago, Shane Watson was promoted from the middle order to open the batting. Uh, he he referenced that. Uh, he referenced that other players have moved from number three to open or number four to open. Um, so that there's no doubt that Mitchell Marsh is in Australia's thinking um, to open the batting against the West Indies. Pat Cummins has referenced it as well. So uh, in in media interviews, so that's definitely on the cards. In, in just as a as an outsider looking in and, and listening and um, you know, watching uh, press conferences, that that's that's on the that's on the cards. Um, so it, it, I, I think it's going to be a fascinating uh, a little period. Um, you know, le- le- this this three match test series, and then obviously when David has his farewell. In uh, in Sydney, then you know, who's going to be given that opening batting spot? Um, yeah, could be really interesting. Jason Gillespie is with you on ABC Sport. Matt Clinch with you on ABC Radio, ABC Sport Digital, and via the ABC Listen app. It's been such a big year for a lot of our international cricketers. When you think back to the the very start of the year, and then uh, the World Test Championship that took place. We start, of course, in India. Uh, the World Test Championship, then of course, retaining the Ashes, going into a World Cup. Is there any fears that this group might be a bit fatigued? I mean, the big question is, can Pakistan offer too much challenge and resistance to uh, to the Australian batsmen? But you've had a lot of workings with Travis Head and to see him play so well, especially in the World Cup. And I think he had the best celebrations potentially out of anyone. But uh, what, what's sort of his <laughs> mindset and how's he feeling after it's been such a, such a hectic period? Look, it has been a hectic period. And, and I think we, we all saw... Um, if you look at the lead into the World Cup, you know a lot of credit must go to this playing group and the coaching staff um, and support staff how they manage those players because after the first two games of the World Cup with those two losses, 
everyone was saying how tired the Australians looked, uh, how weary, how jaded. Um, they, they, admittedly, they probably did look at a little bit. That they, they had a big lead in. They they were in South Africa for that series. They, I mean, they they they'd played Ashes series, you know, which was high octane, like high energy, probably draining physically and draining mentally. So, you know, and a lot of players coming and going, uh, injury concerns, illnesses, all this sort of stuff. So they did look a bit fatigued. And um, so I, I think the, the resilience of this group, you know, it must be commended, I, I think, this this whole squad. With so much cricket on the calendar now, um, I, I think managing managing players and managing the, the amount of work they're doing is is probably the biggest challenge. Um, you know, I think sometimes the best training sessions are the ones that they actually don't don't do um, mm. to to literally manage um, these guys uh, because they, they it's not only the playing, Clinchy or the training, it's the travel, um, it's travelling between venues in one country, it's travelling between countries, it's trying to find time to rest and recuperate and spend time with loved ones. Uh, all these things add up, and so I, I I take my hat off to the the players. I take my hat off to the support staff um, of the of the Australian setup because they're obviously doing something right. Because the Australian team has has played some incredible cricket, um, so the way they're managing their players, um, you know, is obviously working. And Lance Morris was uh, included as part of the, the 14-man squad for the, the first test against Pakistan. But you would think unless there's an injury to Mitchell Stark or Josh Hazelwood, Pat Cummins is obviously going to be keen to be there as the, the captain, that this bowling cartel has been pretty keen to play as much cricket as they can together, and it's been highly successful as well. Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, I, the only way we can see Lance Morris playing really is if one of those guys, as you mentioned, um, is, is not fit to play. Um, you know, we've seen a, we've been blessed over the last decade having these three fast bowlers playing for Australia. Um, I, I personally love watching them bowl. Um, I said a number of years ago, these guys will go down as some of the best bowlers that have ever ever laced on the boots for Australia. Um, yeah, and and I think that that's that's very true. They, they've been unbelievable, and they're great to watch. And we're hoping we can watch them for a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, I, I think Lance, uh, he, it's probably just, he's a victim of, uh, of timing, really. Uh, I think, you know, he would have played test cricket by now, um, you know, had it not been for, for the big three playing regularly. Um, I can't see them playing a four out and out quicks. Uh, is a balance of the side will, will be affected um, because you're not going into a test match without a frontline spinner and, um, and particular frontline spinner who's closing in on 500 test wickets. Um, you know, he, he Lyon has to play in all conditions. He's, he is the GOAT. Um, so, you know, I, I think the three quicks, unless there's an injury, uh, Lance will just have to pull his jets on the sidelines. Yeah, 496 test wickets for Nathan Lyon. It's felt like that 500 test wickets has been close, but just out of sort of uh, touching distance and uh, the injury he picked up during the Ashes. Uh, the other player I just wanted to ask you a bit about, given your time with him at the, the Redbacks, is Alice Carey, as to how he's sort of managed what's yep. been a, a pretty turbulent sort of six months with everything that took place with the, the Ashes and the, the Johnny Bairstow stumping and then losing his spot in the uh, in the 50-over World Cup to, to Josh Inglis. Has he been able to, I guess, process that and then focus his attention on the upcoming Test Summer. Yeah, he's been an utter professional. Um, gutted, no doubt. 
Like, absolutely gutted that he lost his spot. Um, you know, look, there, there, there'll be debate over that. Um, you know, putting the South Australian coach's hat on, I was gutted for him. I was disappointed. I didn't necessarily agree with the decision. Um, but, look, uh, as an outsider, you, you can't control that. Um, I, I just felt Kez had uh, done all he could and, and was performing well for Australia. But it was clear that, you know, that it, it, be, it became pretty clear, though, you know, with Josh Inglis waiting in the wings and, and being over probably the last 12 or so months, 12, 18 months, being part of every squad that Australia has had in limited overs cricket, it, it's pretty clear that the selectors and the, the coaches uh, were pretty keen on him. And uh, it was always probably in the back of your mind thinking, oh, it, it's almost it's almost like, you know, just waiting, you know, you know Kez misses out here, he could lose his spot and... Unfortunately, that's that's what's that's what happened. Um, it was it was an interesting decision that one game into a tournament um, that they made that call. So it was obviously on their mind uh, for a while, well before the tournament started, that they were looking to play English because you're not making a change one game in to a World Cup tournament um, unless it's been on your mind, on the selectors' mind for a while. So um, that that's their call and that's it. That's what they're paid to do and that's absolutely fine. Um, I suppose as, as as South Australian coach, uh, I'm just gutted for our player, and uh, and we, we support support our players as best we can. But but Kes is an utter complete and utter professional, and he's handled it incredibly well. Um, he's just focused on doing as well as he can and preparing as well as he can for the Test series, and uh, and showing just how good he is. Jason Gillespie with you on ABC Sport. As I let you go, Dizzy, your questions come through on the SMS. You know our listeners and I'd love to get in touch. 0467 uh, The news overnight that Annabelle Sutherland has signed in the, the Women's Premier League for $364,000, the second highest Australian behind Ash Gardner. Question coming through. Can you explain how the Lark works in the IPL and the Women's Premier League? Well, I'm not sure how much you can answer that, but in terms of the players that come from overseas um, earning money in the Big Bash, once upon a time, it used to be in US dollars. I think there's been various leagues around the competition where you just hope you get paid. Um, is it all pretty <laughs> universal these days? Yeah, so the, the, well, I don't know what the, the exchange is. So one lakh is obviously in Indian rupees. Um, so they, what, what they've done, they obviously it's, it's, it's India, it's their country. So they, they do it in their currency, which makes complete sense. Um, I'm not exactly sure what one lakh is. I, I think it would be... Anywhere between ten and twenty thousand dollars, I'm not entirely sure. Um, so that I, I think it's simply just a case of uh, them doing it in their own currency. But um, but look, there's uh, you, you're quite right. There's um, you know a lot of money coming into the game and uh, a lot of private investment, particularly in the IPL and the and the women's IPL. Uh, it's so great to see the girls getting uh, getting opportunity to play uh, in competitions outside of our own country. Uh, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, it's growing the game. It's growing women's sport. We all love that. Uh, we've seen the success of the WBBL. Um, Adelaide Strikers, we've won, won our back-to-back titles. It's, it's just wonderful to see. And, and it's so good to see our girls getting opportunities overseas. It's brilliant. Absolutely. It was a great final for the, uh, the Adelaide Strikers girls at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, do you have much to do with the, the women's competition? I guess their season finishes up just as yours sort of starts. So apart from maybe sort of sharing the, the gym and passing in the nets. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, we've got a, obviously the high performance department. You know, we're all together in there, so we, we sort of sp- spend time together, sharing information. And uh, you know, I've got um, you know, we have sometimes the um, Scorpions uh, coaches or the strikers women's coaches come and spend time with us, and vice versa. You know, sharing information, learning from each other. Um, you know, so I'll certainly be leaning on uh, Luke Williams, who's back to back. Uh, coach, uh, winning coach, you know, certainly lean on him. I've got a long relationship with Luke. I played cricket with him at Adelaide Cricket Club. Uh, him and I are, are close mates and certainly lean on him and, um, you know, uh, learn as much as I can uh, from him and his coaching journey. And, um, you know, and, and that's the beauty of, uh, of, of professional sport, isn't it? That, you know, you, you can have those, those interactions. So it's great. Dizzy, as always, appreciate your time. Uh, good luck against the Sydney Thunder, your next game on the 19th of December. Uh, thanks, as always. Good on you, Clinchy. Cheers, mate. Jason Gillespie, the coach of the Adelaide Strikers, joining you on Summer Grandstand. He's been a regular as part of our cricket commentary team for the Test Summer as well, so always great to get his insights as to what he thinks will be the headline for the Australian Test Summer. So much with David Warner playing his final series in the Red Bull. He'll still, of course, play white ball cricket for Australia and probably turn his attention to some franchise cricket and the opportunity to make some more money. But uh, Usman Khawaja, 36 years of age, he suggested he's not keen on going anywhere. The form of Marnus Labashan and Travis Head, Lance Morris, will he get an opportunity? And Nathan Lyon closing in on 500 test wickets. Uh, it's a big challenge for overseas spinners who make their way out to Australia. Can they have the same impact on Australian pitches? And the suggestion from Shah Massoud that potentially Pakistan might go without a spinner. Anyway, lots to debate. We've got plenty of time to do it. Stay with us on Summer Grandstand. Great to have your company on this Sunday afternoon. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.